Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning in to the Bridge Teaching Podcast. We hope that the messages you will hear are both uplifting and challenging. Welcome to the Bridge. All right, guys. Good. Michael, can you do me a favor, man? Can you can I can I steal this from my teaching right now to put my iPad on? Awesome, great. Thank you so much, man. Uh, guys, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I stole this from my friend Brian. Uh, he says you don't have to believe what we believe to belong here, to belong in the house of God. You come as you are because we're so confident that when you meet Jesus Christ and you declare him as your Lord and Savior, you don't stay the same. You can't stay the same. And that's going to be the point of this teaching tonight is that disciples of Jesus Christ, they follow him and they certainly become like him in the process, right? I was just talking to Richard. Richard, wave in the back real quick, my friend. I was just talking to Richard uh, before service, and he's going into the Navy, right? And so, Richard, with that coming, you're going to go into what first, do you think? You're going to go to boot camp first. How shocking would it be is if you signed up for the Navy, and you get to boot camp, and what are they probably going to ask you to do at boot camp? A lot of running. What else? Formation, push-ups maybe? Like a whole lot of that stuff. You get there, and you tell your, tell your drill sergeant, like, whoa, like I didn't plan on this happening. And they're like, bro, it's boot camp. You saw the list. You've seen uh, this before. You've heard from other people. And you're like, yeah, I just really wanted to take on the name of being in the Navy, but I didn't want to actually have to do anything that uh, the, the Navy soldiers actually did, right? But I think what's so interesting is so often in Christianity, we can treat our walk with Jesus the exact same way. Man, I'm just going to take on the name and the title Christian, but none of the things that Jesus ever actually asked me to do, right? And that's what I love about you guys is you guys are not just hearers of the word, but you're doers of it as well. That's why I wanted to just give, give a shout out to Michael because there's, uh, there's, there, it's not like Michael is like the all-time greatest guy ever, right? But you're great because Jesus is inside of you, my friend, and you're listening and obeying the call of the Holy Spirit. Um, I love you guys so much. I'm going to have you spread out a little bit. You guys are all clumped there. So, so Michael, you come sit right here, bro. All right, perfect. Be- thank you. Give, give it up for these guys. They're, they're, they're making it happen in every way. That's so good. Beautiful, beautiful. Good, good. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so, so, so when Michael is like texting me like, Jackson, we, like I want to go evangelize too. And he hits me up and we go. And I'm just like, man, that's what it's all about. That's why I love bringing the Bridge Youth Pastor is because I get to speak to not just people who just want to show up and hang out. But no, you want to follow Christ and do the things that he did. And you're quite aware that with that, some hard things will certainly come sometimes. So we're going to continue our series in the Gospel of Mark, right? So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it to Mark chapter 2. And if you uh, have version on your phone or whatever, it's equally okay and equally cool. We're going to be in Mark 2, and we're going to start in verse 13 tonight. Mark 2, verse 13. And tonight's teaching is called, Don't Ever Underestimate the Power of the Invitation. Don't ever underestimate the power of the invitation. Now, I remember the year was 2009, right? And my friends were going to Miami for something called uh, the Hillsong Conference, right? And I didn't know what the Hillsong Conference was. I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know who was going to be there. They gave me a general explanation. But all I needed to know is in Miami. 
Now, as you guys know, uh, my testimony, I was not saved at this point in 2009. But I was like, hey, I like these guys. They're my friends. And they're inviting me to go and do this. And so I went, right? I wanted to go to Miami. I wanted to stay in a hotel. I wanted to go to some conference, right? And I'm like, I got the weekend off. Let's just go, right? And so I went. And I had never heard worship music like this before. Like, I've, I, I grew up in church. I've heard good worship. But this was Hillsong United with Joel Houston on worship. I'm like, I don't know who this guy is. But this actually sounds pretty cool. I thought mostly Christian music was awful, right? But this is different. And then this guy named Phil Dooley, he came out and spoke. And not only was he very well spoken and he loved God with all of his heart. That's more important than anything. But he also had a sweet Australian accent. And I'm just like, whoa, these guys are actually like kind of cool people. But you know what's crazy is it was the invitation that would plant a seed in my heart that would ultimately lead to me declaring my uh, Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior in August 11th of 2011, right? I mean, all they had to do was invite me. They knew I didn't really care about God or following after him, but they invited me to go and I went and we're going to learn about a man who is called by Jesus Christ. He's called and he goes and it changes everything. That's why tonight is called Don't Ever Underestimate the Power of the Invitation. Let's read in verse 13. It says, Then Jesus went out to the lakeshore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. Verse 14, As he walked along, he saw... Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and he followed him, right? I mean, we never underestimate the power of the invite. Why? Because Jesus didn't underestimate it. I mean, he was walking along. He saw Levi and said, follow me. And Levi, he accepts that invitation. And guys, there is a crowd here, a lot of people and they want to hear the message of Jesus. We learn in chapter 1, he's calling people and he's doing things with authority. He's teaching with power. He's casting out demons. People who are sick are being healed. He, he has this power we've never seen, so we want to come in here and speak. And I think that sometimes in uh, a, a, a huge world and a huge universe, even Melbourne High School alone, how many students are at Mel? Over 1,000. Is that Over 2,000? You could feel lost in the shuffle in that. You're like, man, nonetheless, Brevard County, United States, man, I feel lost in Melbourne High School. But man, you are seen, you are known, and you are loved by God. Even in the midst of the crowd, you are not forgotten. That's what I'm seeing here with Jesus Christ, right? But it's important that you and I, as we follow Jesus and we learn about him, we also become like him as well, right? We have to understand that he saw Levi because he was not selfish, but because he was selfless, right? You see, guys, if we don't overcome our own selfishness, we're going to be so focused on what we don't have and what we're not and what we're lacking, right? And we're not going to see all that we are in Christ and all that he called us to do. We're so selfish that we can't see the people that need our help. We must be aware. We must be spirit-led. Just even in the midst of the crowd, Right? Jesus saw Matthew when he calls him, and Matthew wanted to change his life. In the text you're reading, it probably says Levi, and we're going to get to that soon. He says, follow me and be my disciple. So can someone explain to me, what do you think a disciple is? He says, follow me and be my disciple. What does that mean? What is a disciple? What do you think, Delaney? Okay, very cool. 
Yes, I like that. That's, that's correct. Anything else? Anything else to add to that? What do we got? We learn about this. When we say Matthew 28, it's probably one of the most critical verses in the entire Bible. It says, go and make what? Disciples. So what's a disciple? And it's this, this apprentice, this pupil, right? And we follow our teacher, and we become like our teacher. We follow to learn with a purpose to recreate and imitate. In fact, you can read with me on the screen. It says in Luke chapter 6, verse 40, it says, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he's fully trained, will be like his teacher. And what I want you guys to understand is this, is for most of my life, all the way till I was about 22 years old, I was close to Jesus. I was around Jesus' things, right? I was in church on Sunday and maybe even on a Wednesday as well for bonus points, right? Or I'd go to this outreach or even on this mission trip. I went to Haiti multiple times on multiple mission trips. And yeah, I was around the things of Jesus, but I wasn't a disciple because I wasn't following him and I wasn't becoming like him according to what Jesus defined as discipleship in Luke 6, verse 40. And we can't be the same way, man. I don't want you guys to come in and enjoy the community, enjoy the things of God, but never actually get to enjoy and experience God, right? Man, we're going to learn in the gospel of Mark that the call of discipleship is a costly call, right? Man, grace was purchased for us by Jesus Christ, but God, he gives us all, he gives us everything, but in return, he asks for everything. Man, he says... To count the cost because if they hated me, they're going to hate you as well, man. Don't just rush into this thing, but this is going to be actually be heavy, right? Man, Jesus, he had the 12 followers of him, his 12 disciples, and not only did they follow him, but they did what he did, right? He was also inviting people to follow him, right? Just like Jesus, they saw Jesus, man, Jesus invites people. We're also going to invite people, right? So I hope this is clicking in, in my brain and your brain, right? And Jesus is inviting people. We're not underestimating the power of the invitation. And if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, but you're not inviting people to know Jesus, are you a disciple, right? And like, here's my thing. I think that in our 2020 American church culture, many Christians are going to live their quote-unquote entire Christian walk without ever telling anyone else about Jesus. Man, but what, what I see Jesus define as a disciple is someone who follows him and becomes like him and does the things that he does, right? Man, to not do these things is as crazy as Richie signing up for boot camp to go off to the Navy and then not wanting to do push-ups, Right? It doesn't add up, right? And I'm not here to criticize you or call you out necessarily, but it is something that we have to evaluate. Maybe this is simply a part of our discipleship, a part of our Jedi training, if, we, if you will, that we're still horrified to step into. And I get it because culturally it's the most repulsive part of your faith to tell other people about what you believe and invite them to do it as well. When it shouldn't be, but we don't follow the ways of culture and neither does Jesus. Let's look at this a little bit further. It says in Mark 2.15, you can read with me on the screen because I like the NASB translation. It says, and it happened that he was teaching and reclining at the table in his house. This is Matthew. This is Levi's house. The guy, he just said, come and follow me. And now they're at his house having dinner. And apparently it's a pretty large house because 
Matthew, Levi, he must have been a wealthy person. And it says there were many tax collectors there and sinners there. And they were dining with Jesus and they were his disciples. It says there were many of them and they were following him, right? They were following him. Hold on to that truth. And these tax collectors and these quote-unquote sinners, they were following Jesus, right? You see, how is Matthew's call? Think about occupations for a second. How was Matthew's call different from Peter's call that we read about in Mark 1? What are the occupation differences here? What was Peter when he was called? Yes, he was a fisherman. Now, what is Matthew? This is a different kind of call. Thank you, Kylie. Yes, Peter was a fisherman. Matthew was a tax collector. We didn't see the questioning start to come when Peter was called. We're seeing questioning start to come because Matthew was a tax collector. Why is this a big deal? Tax collectors in this time and culture are looked down upon and they're despised by the Jews because they felt like they were making friends with the enemy, which was the Romans. Romans were running the place in Jerusalem at this time. And it was oppressive for the Jewish people, right? It would be the same as if uh, England, all of a sudden things get crazy, like with the way 2020 is going, anything can happen, right? But imagine if England's are like, you know what? Like we want a second chance at the Revolutionary War. Let's go ahead and let's try this again. They come in and they want to start taxing us and our people and start running the United States of America, right? And so we already hate taxes. Imagine if another country starts taxing us on top of everything else, right? Man, Aaron Hernandez, even with your mask and your glasses on, I can see you're just like, not today. Never going to happen, bro. Right? Right. So you can imagine if Matthew, he was a Jewish guy, right? But he was collecting the money and the taxes for the Roman people. Man, the Jews were like, we don't like that. Man, how can you reconcile it? How can you be a traitor towards us in this way? Right? See, not only that, but the Romans were like, look, we have our taxes that we need to, we need to take so that we can uh, take care of our soldiers and do what we need to do on a government level, right? But they said, ultimately, as long as we get what, what we get, we don't care if you, however much you take on the top. So not only was he, he was a traitor to the people, he was a cheat to the people as well. So here's Jesus ministering to the people in the Sea of Galilee, which, side note, is a historical location. You guys, we need to go there and see it for ourselves. It's still there, and it's still beautiful, and it's still amazing, right? He's preaching on the Sea of Galilee where he commonly did, and he's getting to Matthew at his tax collector booth. And the people are watching and be like, oh, man, man, Jesus, he's got no shame and no fear. Maybe he's going to deck Matthew in the face. Like, let's watch this. There might be some drama going down. Maybe he's going to kick over his whole booth and flip it upside down like he's eventually going to do in the temples, right? I mean, maybe he's just going to rebuke him and tell him how he's going to rot in hell. But remember, Jesus doesn't follow cultural norms. He says, come and follow me. So therefore, they are offended, right? Is this Levi or Matthew? Because what are the four gospels? Someone shout it out for me. First one's Matthew. This is who we're reading about tonight, right? So why, why is this guy's name, why, why does it say at the title of the book, Matthew, but here we're reading about his name being Levi. From what I've learned, Matthew was in fact his nickname and it meant gift of God, right? And when Matthew 
begins to follow Jesus and he takes on some new friends and he changes careers because he can't go back to being a tax collector. Man, maybe Peter could have gone back to being a fisherman, but with Matthew, there was no going back if he was going to be a real follower of Jesus, right? Because he can't go back to being a traitor and he can't go back to being a cheat because followers of Jesus are not hypocrites, right? But his new nickname that he takes on, it means gift of God. Instead of being remembered as a cheat in his town and a rotten traitor, his recordings of Jesus' life would go on to live for thousands and thousands of years and be read by churches all over the, the world so that we can learn and become like disciples as well. How amazing and how beautiful is that? That is how he's remembered, right? Do you guys, uh, can, can, I, can I bring up some, some a bummer point? Because school starts next week, right? That's a bummer point I want to share. That's true, right? School's starting next week. How are you feeling? Richie feels good about it. Anyone else got a woo in their heart? Or has anyone got a boo in their heart? Both. It's a, it's a combination. It's mixed feelings on this, Bridget. All right. So here's the thing. When we're going, some of you guys are going into high school for the first time, right? Some of you guys will be, uh, Delaney's going off to school in New York here pretty soon. That's amazing, right? And you don't want to get on the wrong foot. You don't want to get off course because you might be remembered for something you don't want to be remembered for. Right? I mean, that's what we're kind of seeing about Matthew is he has an opportunity to trade something here. Right? Does anyone have something that uh, they were remembered for that's a little embarrassing, but they're kind of over it so they can share it right now? Yes, Delaney. Oh, my gosh. Five years straight, you were remembered for something you don't want to be remembered for. You're like, bro, delete the ringtone. It's haunting me. Get out of it. Okay, well then, that's what she gets for upgrading her phone. I, I hope she's living a miserable life now because she sounds like a terrible person. What else? Yeah, what do you think, Autumn? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. You're like, I kind of didn't want my legacy to be deep voice autumn, pretty much. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, great examples. That's cool. Thank you. So I was in kindergarten uh, with this young fella, and we were all young. We were in kindergarten, right? And uh, it was story time. You guys remember story time? You guys miss story time? Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing, right? And we're in story time, and so everyone would sit, and Miss Cole is Palm Bay Elementary. Uh, she would sit in her high chair, and, and we would all sit on the carpet, and uh, we would all sit, and we'd be stoked for story time because Miss Cole could tell a good story, right? We loved it, right? And then we went and got up from story time and went back to our seats. Remember how our seats used to have their names, like, right where we would sit and all that stuff, so, so people wouldn't take your seat and stuff? We went back and sat, and there's this, like, just puddle and like this this ring of water sitting on the carpet right and it was so obvious that someone definitely peed their pants right but miss cole just blew it in this moment she doesn't play it cool at all and she's like who is sitting here right and it's like you don't do that like kaylee you're a teacher you know better than to do this right i don't know what happened she was a veteran you don't do that and everyone kind of like simultaneously goes lavar you know and and like then lavar we like look at him at his seat and he just goes 
like just started crying. And like we had to get him some, I remember they got him pants from the lost and found, right? And they like, they were way too small for him. They were like sweatpants that like went down to his shins pretty much, right? And I'm 30, 31 and I remember this story with vivid detail, right? And I see this guy, he works around town. I'm not going to tell you which workplace, right? Because you're like, whoa, that's, that's really messed up. I don't know if Jackson's a Christian anymore. I'm not going to go that far. I've already told you his name, right? But when I see him at this certain uh, place of work, like he remembers me and I remember him, and we both know he peed his pants in story time, right? I was like, I know what you did, right? You peed your pants in kindergarten, right? Some people don't forget, right? Then and, and, and that, that, that's an amusing way. Autumn, you had an amusing story. Ultimately, that's not ruining your life, I hope. Okay, cool. Delaney, you're over the ringtone thing. And, and I'm sure LeVar's doing good, I hope. Right? You're like, maybe, I don't know if you keep bringing it up, Jackson. Maybe he's not doing okay. Right? But my point is this. Is that there, those are some, some kind of funnier examples of things we don't want to be remembered for. But man, it gets deep. Man, some of us, with our shame and our condemnation and our pain and our wounds, we're horrified. We're going to be remembered for things that we don't want to be remembered for. And Matthew, the tax collector, Matthew, the traitor, Matthew, the cheat, has an opportunity to turn things around. And it's going to come at a price because he's wealthy because of his occupation. But he does want to make the exchange, right? He's experiencing what my Nana describes as the worst feeling in the world. It's rejection. He didn't have community. He didn't have friendship. He didn't have relationship. And he needed a savior. And Jesus was that for him. He's like, look, it's going to cost you, right? But it's going to cost me more. And I'm inviting you to come and follow me and be my disciple, to turn things around. And you'll be remembered for something different. And he was Right. Matthew was a rejected man, but he gave up his wealth and his career because he was discontent and happy. And that's why I'm teaching you guys, don't underestimate the power of the invitation. You guys are going back into school, and you're going to be with people that need a savior. They're going to be remembered, and maybe not even by other people, but maybe in their own brains, in their own hearts, in their own souls, for things they don't want to be. But with Jesus Christ, we have an opportunity to repent and say, I was going this way, but I'm going to take on a new name, and now I'm going to be a gift of God to other people, right? And Matthew, he had to count the cost of discipleship, and we ought to as well. Man, Matthew, he had traded self-respect and the social life for money and a career, but he wanted to take it back, and Jesus gave him that. He had an opportunity to take on a new identity, and now Matthew, he sees himself as who he is, and that's a child and follower of God. Man, he starts to thrive, right? He's going to rock out with the disciples, right? And this is because he believed that he was a gift of God, right? Man, if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, if you've repented and given your life over to him, you need to operate in the same power and the same strength and realize, man, the old is gone and the new is here. There's power in you becoming who you are. So the next thing I want you to see on the screen is we went from being enemies of God to children of God. And my question for you to just search your heart, don't answer me out loud, is are you walking in your new identity? Because if, if you're not, it's time you start because there's power in you becoming who you are in Jesus Christ. Amen? The invitation to Matthew, Levi, would lead to other open doors, right? 
man, these people, we just read in verse 15 that there's other tax collectors that are like, all right, if he's calling Matthew, maybe I can come too. There's other sinners, other rebels that are being called too. It's your job and it's your role to remove whatever fake obstacles that we've put between us and God, right? Man, and I look at the past, the posture of Jesus here. He's relaxed, he's comfortable, he's not threatening, right? Man, it says that he is just relaxed and he's reclined at the table, right? And culturally, this would have been a very loving presence, a very welcoming presence, right? You and I, when we're at the bridge, you know what I love? I mean, when I ask students about, like, like what do you think of the bridge or, 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 or what are we as the bridge? And people say, I feel safe here. Man, that's a great testimony to, to, to have as a youth group, right? Because, man, there's darkness out there. There's pain out there, and there's not many places where you and I can let our guard down. So when a student tells me that, man, that brings great joy to my heart because that's how Jesus was. And people who were rejected by society felt comfortable around him, and Jesus created that setting for them, right? But we have to understand, what is verse, can someone please read two verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 15 for me? What does it say about these people that are having dinner with him? What are they doing to and with Jesus? Not just eating, but what else at the end of the end of the verse there? Chapter two, verse fifteen. What does it say they were doing? We're gonna pick this apart for a second here. It's up on the screen if you need it too. But last part of that. What is it? Mm-hmm. And what else with their life? They were following them. Yes, they were eating with him in this moment, but they were following him. So what does that mean as a disciple? If you're following Jesus, what does that mean? Man, it means that we didn't just sign up for the Navy and didn't expect to have to do push-ups at boot camp. Man, it's, they, they've accepted the invitation to follow Jesus, but they're obeying him as well, right? Man, society and the Jews and the Pharisees, they might have said, yeah, you're still outcast. What are you doing eating with those people, right? But they were following Jesus Christ, See, Jesus, I don't think he would have had that posture of reclining and being chilled out if they were still going to go to hell, right? I don't think that would have been his posture. I think it would have been a lot different. He could recline with them and rest with them because they were following him, and they said, look, we're going to leave the old ways behind. Man, he wasn't doing that with them being in an awful place of spending eternity apart from him. No, he could relax with them because he knew they had changed their life. And so, guys, I don't like talking about hell, right? And in fact, it's not talked about very much at all anymore, right? I mean, that, that's kind of a downer of a subject. But we have to examine the reality, and the truth is this, is that in James it says that life is like a vapor and that life is like a mist. I mean, it's here for a moment and it's gone. And that's hard for us to get a grip on when you're young. Like you guys are young and younger than me, but even at 31, that's hard for me to get a grip on. It's going so fast. And that if we don't step into our call of following Jesus and doing what he did, many people we love and we care about are gonna go to hell and we're gonna hold their hand all the way there and affirm their lifestyle and affirm them being disobedient to Jesus Christ, Right? Man, never underestimate the power of the invitation because there's people that want to change their life, right? There's people that want to make a change, but they don't know about Jesus Christ and it's your job to tell them. Or maybe they have a bad impression of Jesus Christ because there's so many hypocrites out there that are creating a bad impression of him. 
But at the end of the day, the cost of discipleship is still high. It is still costly. It might lead to even more pain and more suffering. That's why Jesus is saying you must count the cost, right? Jesus is not in there with them, having dinner with them, affirming a lifestyle of sin without repentance. No, these people were reading about and said they're followers of him now. And then that's the way it has to be. And you can be that. You're called to be that. I mean, you are called, empowered by the Holy Spirit to be ambassadors of Christ, representing him and saving people in order to have a relationship with him. And that's a beautiful call. But we have to take that call seriously. We have to count the costs ourselves, right? I mean, followers of Jesus, disciples of him, do the things that he did and he invited people to come. And I challenge you with that. Let's read on in verse 16. It says, But when the teachers of the religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and the other sinners, they asked the disciples, Why does he eat with such scum? Verse 17, When Jesus heard this, he told them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. How interesting is that? Pharisees, they hated the tax collectors. They're saying, if he's so religious, then why is he hanging out with these people? Why is he having dinner with them? They're so offended. They're so mad, right? Like, like what is the big deal? Because that's the thing, guys. When we're reading this text, we have to understand that this is over 2,000 years old. So it's important for us to cross the bridge culturally and see how this applies to us today. Because we might read this and be like, it's just dinner. You know, what's the big deal? So we have to understand culturally, why was there so much significance to this? David Guzik, he says, when someone invited someone else to eat with him, he was extending a pledge of loyalty and protection to that person. So to accept this dinner invitation implied a willingness to become a close friend to that house. I mean, Jesus, by accepting the invitation and by going to the house, by reclining at the table with them, by breaking bread for them, right? And he's saying, man, if you follow me, like I'll be loyal to you. I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And, and, and they're saying the same thing to him as well. This dinner was a sign of a covenant and an agreement. Man, I got your back and you got mine now. We're going to be close friends now. And the, belief, the, the, the Pharisees, they believed that God saves sinners. They didn't have a problem with that. And they believed in repentance. But surely Jesus doesn't like these people. But that's a beautiful thing. He does. He forgives them. He saves them. And he likes them as well. The only thing that makes any of us qualified to follow Jesus is what? It starts with an S. We all are what? We're all sinners. That's the only thing that makes any of us qualified to follow after him. We're all sinners, right? And Jesus said, I love that. He calls that out. He's like, I didn't come to call the righteous people, but I came to call sinners. Guys, when I was a doctor, or excuse me, when I was a nurse, right? The doctors wouldn't come in and get ticked when patients were sick, right? They didn't sign up and come into the room and be like, oh, it's, it's another sick patient, right? Look, what, get, get these patients out of here, right? I mean, the hospitals were sick for sick people. As a nurse, I was called to take care of these sick people, right? I mean, the doctors, that was their job to come and take care of sick people, right? That's the whole point. Jesus is like saying, that is the whole point of me coming, I mean, I didn't come for healthy people that don't need to be saved, but I came for people who desire to be saved, right? But as you know, there's sick people that don't want uh, to be healthy. Am I right? Like, what is an example of that practically in, in the world, right? Sick people that don't want to be healthy, that are neglecting their own health. 
Okay, what else? Good. My Nana, right? She's a diabetic, and uh, she has to, like, pump tons of insulin to her bodies, right? And it, we had to take her car keys away because she would go to Krispy Kreme and down a dozen donuts, right? And her pancreas couldn't keep up with that, right? She was a bad patient, right? And I remember there was this one time, I'm like, I had never had a cavity in my life. And then in college, I didn't have a dentist at all, and so I got a bunch of cavities because I was uh, eating peanut butter in the night because I was stressed out, right? So therefore, I gained weight and got cavities. What, you, what a shock, right? And I went in for a dentist appointment after I became a nurse and got health insurance again. And, like, Doc's like, hey, man, you got some cavities. And I was like, nah, no, I don't, you know. I never got them treated. Ultimately, I went to a different dentist, and he's like, oh, what do you know? You need a root canal, right? Man, Jesus said, I didn't come to save righteous people. I came to save sick people, right? Some people don't want to get their blood checked even though they need to. Some people don't want to change their diet. And what's wild is oftentimes we blame the doctor for our problem. But you have to understand and you have to see this. Please read this with me on the screen. Jesus can only save you from sin when you're sick of it. Jesus can only save you from sin when you're sick of it. And that's what the Pharisees couldn't understand. And that's why he was being with the people that he was. It says in Luke 5 verse 31, it says, Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick, right? And I love what he teaches the disciples in the Beatitudes. He says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs, right? Man, Jesus is saying, blessed are you when you realize your need for me, when you realize you need a doctor, because then that is your passport to experiencing me. And being with me is when you realize I'm sick and I can't take it anymore. I'm sick of my sin. I want to repent and I want to change. Those are the people that Jesus came for. And not the Pharisees who thought they were righteous, but he came for the unrighteous people. Man, it says in Matthew 5 or 6, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Man, you're not thirsting for righteousness if you think you already are righteous. Man, Jesus comes. If you thirst for righteousness and you don't think you're perfect, you don't think you're right, and that's the person that I come and I be with, right? Those that don't know Jesus, this is what you guys run into sometime. They might think, oh, man, it's cool you follow Jesus, right? Like, that's for you, but that's not for me. I'm cool with you doing it. It's just not for me, right? Or, or maybe they'll even go as far to say to you is like, oh, that's your crutch, right? Don't you guys feel like you run into that sometimes? Like, people uh, think that you just need to have an explanation for the origins of life, and this made the most sense to you, so therefore you hopped on board with it. Maybe that's another thing. They're like, you, you're just kind of a weak person. It's a crutch for you. You just need some explanations here, right? If you need Jesus, that's great for you, but I'm good. Jesus is saying, man, it's the sick that need a doctor. And then these are the people that I've come to minister to, right? The person that is not aware for their need to God, man, they're not going to find him. And Jesus said, blessed are you when you realize your need for me. Let me read this quote to you on the screen. It says, the shepherd goes after a lost sheep, leaving his unstrayed flock in the wilderness, because it is natural to seek the loss and to have more joy in finding things lost than in possessing things which had never been lost. Man, I remember uh, my youngest brother uh, went missing when I was about seven years old. So he must have been about five. And he has Asperger's syndrome. When he was five, he still couldn't talk yet. 
and uh, his name was Paul, and um, he used to hide, like, in the attic and stuff, and we used to have tree forts. He used to go hide in the tree forts, and we lived in Grant. We had a lot of property, and we just thought he was hiding, and so we're looking for him. We're looking for him, like, and we're so mad at Paul because he would always do this, but then it got over an hour, and, and it never normally take that long, and so we called the cops, and the cops came, and they searched the property, and we can't find him, right, and then so we started calling some relatives, and um, and it turned into three hours, and, and, and we were searching for him, right? And my nana, she was on her way home, or excuse me, on her way to Grant from where she lived in Melbourne, right? Burning down US-1, probably speeding super bad. And she saw Paul um, screaming, crying on the side of US-1 over nine miles from our house, right? And she saw some people trying to put him in their car, right? And she went, she scooped up my brother Paul, threw him in the car, and these people followed my nana back to our house, and it turned into this drama ordeal, right? My dad was about to kill some people, right? Because this was confusing. This was strange. And my brother Paul was five. There was no way he could have made it that far from our house, nine miles from our house in that amount of time because he had no shoes on, right? And he had no cuts on his feet. That means that he was already in these people's car at some point, right? And we were horrified. And my dad, he's ready to throw down and destroy some people. And my mom with the cops, she scooped him up into her arms and was weeping. Because her son was lost, right? She was horrified. That was her baby. And when she got him back, she was weeping tears of joy and tears of relief that he had returned, right? And that is true for you and I, right? If we don't realize that we're lost, we're never going to experience the joy of being found by Jesus Christ, right? And that's the joy when he has you, when you come to him, right? Then when you invite people to follow Jesus and they're found, they're seen, we're not so selfish that we're always focused on ourselves and how, what, what we're going to appear, right? But when we help find lost people, man, that's the joy and the celebration that happens in heaven. Is a, is a sheep who was lost but was found by its shepherd. Man, like my brother Paul who was found again by my mom, Right, scooped up, tears of joy and celebration, right? But I think sometimes if we don't have that with God, then maybe we've just been wandering. And I'm not here to make you doubt your salvation, right? But we need to operate in this place of I once was lost, but now I'm found. Like I think of the Hillsong lyric when they sing, I never want to go back to my old life. Oh, to think where I would be if it wasn't for you. If we're not operating from a place of gratitude for being found and seen by Jesus Christ, I mean, we have to ask ourselves, have we ever truly experienced that? Right? So everyone, just please bow your heads and close your eyes for a second. God, I love you, Lord. God, and I shared my testimony at the beginning. Like, God, I was around the things of you, God. I was in Jesus' places, God, I was doing Jesus' things, but God, I wasn't a disciple of you, God. I wasn't following you and becoming like you and doing the things that you did. I was just in your midst, God, which was beautiful, but I wasn't a disciple of you. I didn't, I, I didn't take up everything, God. And God, there, there's some students in this room, they are disciples, but they've just been rejecting the call to invite other people to know you as well, God. God, I pray for them right now to repent of that, God. The cost of discipleship is horrifying because it's so uncomfortable, God, sometimes. But God, it doesn't need to be, 
And I pray that you let us all see that and experience that, God. That we're inviting people to come and follow after you, God. And there's some people that will reject the call, but there's some people that are going to be like Matthew, Levi, that will accept the call, that are ready to make the great exchange, that are willing to give it all up and they want to follow you because we want to be saved. We're like these children wandering who are lost that need our dad, God. So students, I'm going to give you an opportunity to see you in the Lord right now. Um, if you feel that you want to take the next step in your call of discipleship, to begin inviting and telling people about Jesus Christ, to not care about what culture says, but if you want to be like Jesus and saying, yeah, the Pharisees, they said we shouldn't eat with these people. But Jesus says, but I do eat with them because I love them and I like them. And they're going to follow me now and become like me. If you would like courage, Christian, to accept that call, to step up in your discipleship, to be a true follower of Jesus in this way, everyone's heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I want to pray that over you. If you want to accept that call and have that courage and have that power, just raise your hand right now. Cool, praise God. Amen, 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 amen. I see you guys put your hands down. Let me pray over you. God, I pray over these students who raise their hand. They say, God, I, I, I need courage to tell people about you. I need courage to tell people that you are the way, that you are the truth, and you are the life. God, give me boldness, God. Help me be like you, Jesus. I want to follow you. I want to be a disciple of you. And that means doing the things that you did. God, but, but telling other people about you is hard for me, God, because it might make me look weird or, or foolish or look like a freak or, or, or look weak or, or do something that's not culturally correct. But God, I care more about pleasing you and being approved by you, God, than being approved by people, God. So I pray for all of us to drop down our pride, to be like disciples that are dropping our nets, dropping the things that are holding us back, God. And step into this next form of discipleship, God. Let us all never underestimate the power of the invitation, God. As we step into school, God, let us invite other people. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for spending time with us. If you'd like to know more about The Bridge, please follow us on Instagram at wearethebridge. Also, if you need prayer, feel free to send us a DM. Otherwise, tune in next time.